You're listening to Comedy Central. April 30th, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Now celebrating his 10th year on Grey's Anatomy, Jesse Williams is joining us. Also on tonight's show, why black people love Joe Biden, a car crashes Cory Booker's speech, and the Pope says snitches get stitches. So let's catch up on today's headlines. First up, if you were planning a vacation to Venezuela this week, I hope you've got trip insurance. Breaking news out of Venezuela where an attempted coup is underway there. You heard that right. Opposition leader Juan Guaido calling for the military to oust the sitting president, Nicolas Maduro. In an early morning video, Guaido saying, quote, the moment is now, calling for his supporters to take to the streets, and many answering that call. That's right. As we speak, Venezuela is in the throes of an attempted coup. After five years of repression and economic crisis, the country has just finally reached a tipping point. Well, it's either that or everyone was just super inspired by watching Avengers and Game of Thrones in the same weekend. <laughs> and they were like, we can do it! <laughs> Although I say, I say it's a coup, but according to John Bolton, President Trump's national security advisor and janitor who ate his own mop, this <laughs> is not a coup. No, the U.S. government says it's not a coup because the U.S. government recognizes Juan Guaido as the legitimate president. Yeah, so they say it's not a coup. And you gotta admit, America's pretty gangster about this, yeah? Yeah, if it likes the people overthrowing the government, it's not a coup, it's just cool. (laughs) In other international news, ISIS. The U.S. coalition may have taken away their caliphate, but apparently they still have their camera phones. The leader of ISIS has reemerged publicly after five years without being seen. The new video appears to show the elusive ISIS leader, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, giving a pep talk to supporters. It's only the second video of him, the first five years ago, when he founded the Islamic State. Tonight, Baghdadi acknowledges his state is in ruins, ground underfoot by a U.S.-led coalition. So he has a new tone. The terror group will live on, he says, by fighting a long war of attrition. A long war of attrition? Oh, that sounds exhausting. Just blow us up already, god damn. Like an actual war may be more violent, but at least it has a beginning and an end. Cause now I'm picturing ISIS finding lots of little ways just to irritate us forever. Cause instead of terrorism, which they can't afford anymore, they're just gonna stand in front of us at the ice cream counter and they're just gonna try all the flavors. Mm, can I try the vanilla again? Again, you just tried the vanilla. Yes, but now I want to see what it tastes like after chocolate. <laughs> Assholes. Moving on to some technology news. Today, Mark Zuckerberg announced some major changes to Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, first of all, a complete makeover for Facebook. And I know personally, I can't wait for my mom to call me and ask me what the hell happened to her Facebook. (laughs) So on the one hand, it is cool that Facebook is trying to improve how people use their apps. But it turns out some people are using these apps in ways you might have never expected. 
You've heard of staycations, but how about fakecations? A Nebraska-based company called Fake a Vacation is helping people do that on social media. Now, the company superimposes pictures of you onto backdrops of things like Hawaii, the Grand Canyon, and other popular vacation spots. Now, you may think this is a bit over the top, mm -hmm, but it seems to actually be a growing trend. A survey by travel site JetCost says around 10% of people admitted to putting fake travel photos on their social media pages. Posting photos of fake trips? Guys, come on, that is so sad. Like, if you want to make other people on social media jealous, don't just do it the old-fashioned way, by pretending you're in a happy relationship, you know? Yeah, they sleep in separate bedrooms. Don't believe the hype. And by the way, why would you fake a trip to the beach? It's like a waste of faking. Let me tell you something now. If I'm faking trips, I'm faking the shit out of them. Yeah, oh, you went to the Catskills? That's cool. I spent the weekend in space. That's where I'm faking. <laughs> oh, and why don't you check out my Insta stories? You'll see my sleepover at the Pope's house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> haters will say it's Photoshop, and the haters would be correct. <laughs> and by the way, if you want to hear more about my sleepover at the Pope's, I'm sorry, he doesn't want anyone talking about it. Pope Francis is telling hairdressers to quit gossiping in salons. He said that to some Italian barbers and hairdressers who were on a pilgrimage to Rome. The Pope warned them to avoid the temptation of gossiping with their clients. The Pope said that they should instead treat all of their clients with kindness and always offer good words of encouragement. The Pope <laughs> is telling hairdressers not to gossip. That's a weirdly specific thing to preach. <laughs> like, it feels like the Pope is using God for his own personal issues, you know? He's just like, after much prayer, the Lord came to me and he said Denise needs to shut her mouth, okay? <laughs> okay. Really? God said that to you? Yeah, totally said that. He also said, can you please borrow me 10 bucks, yeah? <laughs> and by the way, you notice that he's only against hairdressers gossiping? Not gossip in general. He didn't say no one should gossip. He's like, hairdressers and barbers. Yeah, you can't say no gossip because gossip is the bedrock of the church. Yes, it's why they call it the Gospels, yes? <laughs> it's basically just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John spilling all the tea, just be like, girl. And then he went in the temple and started whipping that ass. You should have seen him. He was quick, shh, he's coming. Hey, Jesus. <laughs> and also, like, priests can't hate gossip because their job is to have people whisper their sins to them. You can't tell people not to gossip and then be like, okay, now come into my wooden telephone booth and tell me how many times you masturbated. <laughs> All right, that's it for the headlines. Let's move on to our top story. There's only 552 days until the presidential election. So let's catch up on the Democratic primary race in our ongoing segment, World War D. There are now 20 candidates running in the Democratic primary race, <laughs> which is an insane number. I mean, look at all those faces, huh? Look at all of those faces. <laughs> and because there are so many faces, many of the candidates are having a hard time getting any media coverage. So they're trying anything to make a splash. Beto O'Rourke went to Yosemite National Park to announce a $5 trillion plan to fight climate change, but no one has heard about it. Yeah. It's like that old saying, if a candidate announces a policy in a forest and there's no one around to hear it, <laughs> then does a bear shit on it? <laughs> Meanwhile, John Hickenlooper is trying to get people to look at his new trade plans. 
And uh, Jay Inslee is still trying to convince people he actually exists. He's just like, I swear I'm a real candidate. I swear I was in the picture they showed on The Daily Show. Wait, you're Sonic the Hedgehog? No, I'm the other guy. You're Eric Swalwell? Who's Eric Swalwell? Exactly, I don't know any of these guys. In fact, it's so hard to get attention right now that Cory Booker was almost run over during a speech and it barely made the news. Senator Cory Booker, his latest speech was interrupted by a minivan that careened into a building where he was speaking. Your, your House Republicans passed the bill. We say this was an accident. Senator Booker did go on with the event once the building was declared to be structurally safe. Wow, that is crazy. Cory Booker is so boring, he's making people who are not even in the room fall asleep. That woman was just driving past. She's like, what's happening to me? <laughs> now, the police were saying this was just an accident and that there was no ill intent. Although if I was a terrorist and my plot failed, that's what I would also say. Yeah, I'll just play it off as an accident. It probably happens more than we think. I'm sure there's like some guy who tried to blow up Starbucks and then his suicide vest failed, right? Just walked in like, I would like a pumpkin spice. <laughs> Uh, latte, please, uh, yeah. <laughs> so many Democrats are struggling to get noticed, right? But one candidate has no problem at all. And that's former vice president and professional tickle monster, Joe Biden. <laughs> Yesterday, he kicked off his campaign with a rally outside Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Joe Biden at the first rally of his 2020 campaign, surrounded by labor union supporters in Battleground, Pennsylvania. The major moral obligation of our time is to restore, rebuild, and respect the backbone of America, the middle class. The stock market is roaring, but you don't feel it. I make no apologies. I am a union man, period. I am a union man. It's a good campaign line and a terrible Marvel superhero. <laughs> How are we gonna stop Thanos? I don't know, but I got Marvel to give us free dental coverage. <laughs> and although Biden may be zeroing in, on one voting block in particular, he's not forgetting the rest of the country. Choose hope over fear, unity over division. We always do better when we act as one America. Donald Trump is only president, is the only president who's decided not to represent the whole country. The president has his base. We need a president who works for all Americans. Yes, that's where America has gotten to. Candidates now have to promise if they get the job, they'll be the president of the whole country. <laughs> it's crazy because thanks to Trump, that's not a foregone conclusion anymore. You realize that? Cause he got into the White House and he was like, California, suck a fat dick. New York, same to you. All the people who voted for Hillary, suck my balls. <laughs> Wisconsin, see you Friday, Florida, every Friday, baby, yeah. <laughs> So Biden's first speech seemed like it was hitting all the right notes, was connecting with all the people, but there was one thing that keen observers noticed. The former vice president was a little out of practice when it came to saying words. I think we have to rethink how we define what constitutes a, su a successful economy. They see workers as just a means to an end, not the end in, in, themsel in, in themselves. The same is happening in big, in big hospital systems. For the, for the United Food and Commercial Workers in Boston. Medical research to, confer, to conquer devastating diseases like cancer. The UAW took incredible cuts in their future. The country wasn't built by Wall Street bankers, CEOs, and hedge, and hedge fund managers. It was built by you. The hedge fund managers? Oh man, Joe Biden. 
It's one thing to mess up in the middle of a sentence. It's another thing to stumble when you're trying to rally the tramps, I mean the troops. <laughs> it, like it loses all energy. Can you imagine if King Leonidas slipped up like that? It would have changed 300 forever. This is Splenda! I mean Sparta! <laughs> I meant Sparta. Guys, I totally said Sparta. <laughs> I, said, I said, why are you opening the gate? You can't surrender. <laughs> what, what, do we, what do we do now? We're gonna train dragons. What are we doing now? That's why Trump has a huge advantage over every other candidate. Have you noticed when he makes a mistake, he doesn't let it trip him up. He just creates a new reality and he plows right through. <laughs> yeah, because if he did that, he'd be like, this country wasn't built by hedge fund managers and hedge fund managers, which is also a thing, hedge funds. People forget about hedge, but not me. I know all about hedge. <laughs> Vanessa Hudgens, Jabba the Hudge, Sonic the Hedgehog, so much hedges. And look, obviously all politicians misspeak sometimes, right? But because Trump has started a narrative that Biden is old and losing his wits, Biden can't afford any slip-ups. Literally every day on Twitter, Trump is calling Biden Sleepy Joe. That's his nickname for him, which is weird, you have to admit. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's like a strange slam. Sleeping is just a basic human function. And you're like, oh, look at him, he sleeps. What? <laughs> I will say this though, if Joe Biden goes up against Trump, I can't wait to see those attack ads. Joe Biden says he wants to be your president, but is he too sleepy for the job? I'm so sick and tired, sick and tired, tired, tired. President Trump is never tired. At 3 a.m. when Joe Biden and other babies are in bed snoozing, Donald Trump is tweeting about CNN's low ratings. So in 2020, ask yourself, do we want a commander-in-chief who goes to bed at night? Or do we want a real man? I'm Donald Trump, I haven't slept in nine days, and I approve this message. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Daily Show. So, we've been talking about Joe Biden kicking off his presidential campaign. And whatever you think about him, you have to admit that he is resonating with Democratic voters. Okay, breaking news. A new CNN national poll on the 2020 Democratic race just out shows former Vice President Joe Biden with a big bounce. He now has 39%. Among black women, a nearly 30-point advantage for Biden in this morning consult poll. That's right. Joe Biden has surged to a huge lead in the Democratic Party. And in second place is Bernie Sanders. Combined age, 642. <laughs> it almost seems like they pulled that move senior citizens do where they just cut to the front of the line and everyone's too polite to say anything. You know, it's like, let him cut. It might be his last meal ever. Let him go, let him go. <laughs> but I do find it interesting that Biden has especially strong support among black women. A lot of people are wondering why that is. So to help us find out, let's turn to an actual black woman. Dulce Sloan, everybody. <laughs> So, this feels like a conundrum, Dulce. Help me understand, why are so many black women leading toward Joe Biden? I don't wanna talk about this political shit, Trevor. It just over got married. And I'm sad. Oh, Dulce, I, I understand, because you loved Idris and now you have to look for a, another dream man. That's why you're sad. No, I'm sad because now I got to kill somebody. <laughs> Okay, let's, let's move on. Don't say, uh, focus, focus on politics. Mm -hmm. Why do you think Biden is doing so well with black women? 
Like many people expected uh, black women to support Cory Booker or Kamala Harris. Well, let me break it down for you. Cory and Kamala are fine, but if I'm completely honest, if I'm completely honest, they got a bit of an image problem. I mean, Corey's nice, but he reminds you that cousin has a tattletale. You know, even when no one asks, just snitching for the love of the game. Like, oh, she did this. <laughs> ah, and then Kamala looks like a mean vice principal, you know? She just comes up to you, like, don't say, I want what's best for you, which is why I'm giving you detention. Corey, thank you for coming right to me. Okay, like, okay, I see what you're saying in terms of an image, but okay, it doesn't explain why black women then don't go for someone like Elizabeth Warren then. I mean, she's addressed specific issues that black women have, like uh, reparations, the black maternal mortality rate. Why are black women going with, like, a guy who's got the crime bill and Anita Hill on his record? Listen, don't get me wrong. Younger black women will probably go with Elizabeth Warren, but for older black women, they're gonna go with Biden because if Biden becomes president that Obama is back in the White House. Wait, but that, that's not true. Obama can't be president again. Who said anything about president? If Joe Biden wins, he's gonna invite Obama over for dinner. And where's dinner? The White House. Boom! <laughs> I mean, it's sneaky, but it's all we got. <laughs> okay, fine. So maybe that explains black women's support. But what's interesting to me, Dulce, is that Democrats overall seem to be going with Biden, which, which is strange, like, considering how diverse and fresh most of the other candidates are. Of course, yeah. This, this is just a simple case of familiar dick. <laughs> familiar dick? Listen, y'all know what I'm talking about, okay? There's that one dude you've been hooking up with for years, right? And sometimes you try someone different, but you always go back to him. That's familiar dick. <laughs> y'all get it? Like, like, listen, you know how well it does, what it does. I mean, sure, he's 37 and sells drugs on a child's bike. <laughs> But it's the dick you know. I can safely say I didn't know that women categorized dick that way. Yeah, we got familiar dick, broke dick, rich dick, <laughs> mediocre dick, always lets you borrow his car dick. Okay, so if I understand what you're saying, you're saying Joe Biden's politics is the familiar penis that the Democrats wish to return to. Now you're getting it, dimple dick. Ha! <laughs> Okay, so, so, please don't encourage her. So, <laughs> as a voter and as a black woman, who do you prefer then, familiar dick or new dick? Neither, I prefer British dick. I'm coming for your interest! Don't say slow, everyone, we'll be right back. You gotta leave, leave this alone. <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is an actor, a director, and an activist who stars in the long-running hit ABC series Grey's Anatomy. Please welcome Jesse Williams. Hello. What a crowd. 
Welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Good to have you here. I feel like every time you come, your eyes get a little greener. All right, Trevor. All right. Your, face, your face gets a little more, like you, uh, how's life treating Fatter. you? No, uh, I wish yeah. it was. There's no fat or anything um, here. How's, how? I'm doing great. Yeah? You're enjoying yeah. life? I am. I'm working hard. I'm playing hard. I'm having fun. Congratulations on another season of Grey's Anatomy. This the show's been going... How, how many seasons has it been now? We just finished 15. 15 <laughs> seasons. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like the long seasons, like 25-hour-long episode seasons. Right. Not these little, like, eight-episode, half-ass seasons. Yeah. The, rest of, the rest of these people. I like how you're throwing shade at all the miniseries yeah. people out there. We're doing real seasons. Yeah. Um, what's really impressive about the show for me is... Like, I loved watching the show when I was in South Africa. It's huge out there. Yeah. And then I came to the U.S. and it's big. And now there's like a resurgence of people, because some people watch it on Netflix. Yeah, people binge watch and we have, I'm told we have more new uh, fans than we do existing ones. People are discovering it anew. Right. It's more of them than there are folks who have been diehards forever. And it's also generational, right? It's 15 years. That means a whole, a whole new generation has been born and turned into a high schooler by now watching Yeah, so it. you get, yeah, you get some grandmas, started. parents, and then their kids all watching it. At once, so uh, is is that watching. ever is that ever like weird for you when you have like a generational fan gap? Do you know what I mean? Because like a lot of the time people have like a fan range. Yeah, yeah. And then now you're getting like a research. It's just like I'm, 18, I'm your biggest fan, and my mom. Yeah, and my grandma. Yes, and um, <laughs> and they're aggressive. Grandmas in particular. Gra yeah. Grandmothers are aggressive. Don't, don't uh, underestimate. Can I tell the, you, your this, he's not playing. Grandmothers do not play games. They're touchy. Yes, they're, they're very touchy. They're a touchy bunch. They very grab, touchy, and they've got a firm grip. I had. I had one grandmother who came up to me at a meet and greet, and then she grabbed my ass and she said to me, I don't have much time, let's do this. <laughs> Amazing. I'm serious. Amazing, I believe it. Yeah. It's a very, there's a lot, and it's, I, uh, I will tell you, a lot of times I'll be like in their grip. Yes. And there's a lot, it's like a whole uh -huh. stomach rub, yep. unnecessary, yeah. 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 not part of the photo, but yep. just like a stomach rub and yep. like rubbing a little side boob action. There's a- Living their best life. Action. Yeah, yeah. yeah, living their best life. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Grey's Anatomy has been a show that, 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 that's had an impact on many people because, you know what, what really intrigued me about the show when it kicked off was you have the show that Shonda Rhimes created where it spoke to so many issues that were happening in the world, but it didn't, like, specifically or, or explicitly yeah. call them out. Yeah. So, so, for instance, you had a, a black doctor who had grown up in tough circumstances, but it wasn't, like, his story. It yeah. was part of his life. Um, you know, you had an Asian doctor who was dealing with her family and her world. You had a lesbian doctor who was struggling with how she told people about her sexuality. Yeah, sure. But it was never like, this is the show about wokeness. In fact, I would even say... It's amazing it, how it rarely before. we ever, if ever, we mentioned anything. Right. You just happened to have these people in positions of power and worthy of respect. And they were, you know, was, that's why it's such a pioneering show. Everybody always said you couldn't do that. Right. Nobody would watch it. Do you think that's why people connected with it? Because it was just, it was about human beings and they happened to be yeah, as diverse as the world is. Yeah, I think it started is. with the heart. It started with the actual humanity. And it's not, that's not an Asian surgeon. Yes. That's Yang. That's somebody you love. Right. It's, not, a, it's right. not the black chief who's demonstrating that he's black by doing or saying something ridiculous. Yes. He's just... He's just uh, Richard Weber. The way you said it now, I was just picturing like what? What is a black surgeon? Like this, chief? like this, like no, no, just neck jive. Yeah, no, that's what yeah, I mean. Yeah. Just like, I need a heart. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, but 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 let's talk a little bit about like that that's world definitely that you've been created. done. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> somewhere, somewhere, yeah. it sounds like a sketch. Um, you've been doing it for so long that I feel like you should have like an honorary. Like degree, I could medicine. be a, I could be a fully accredited think, surgeon by do now. Do you think you know like some? You know enough fake medicine to do real medicine. I could, I could slow your death. <laughs> um, <laughs> I could buy you a few extra minutes. <laughs> um, 
But you know what's funny is that like, and I think I've said this before, I've had, I've definitely had like at least two instances on a plane where somebody has gone, is there a doctor on the plane? And then a uh, flight attendant looks directly at me. And it's like, lady, the one thing you know about me, unlike anybody else on this flight, the one thing you know about me is I'm not a doctor. But it's like, you, you, no, no, but don't. please don't. Fine, all right, we'll just go through the motions. I don't know, what, I, I that's, would, this is how bad yeah. of a doctor I am, I don't know. I'm just stretching, it's what I'm doing. It's that's your CPR? This is like a little cabbage patch or something, I, yeah. That was a very sexy CPR, I was like, I was like, yo, I don't know if you're coming back to life, but you going out happy. Oh, like, that, what is that, side move? Yeah, oh, that was yeah. a nice little move there. Um, you're also directing in Grey's Anatomy now yeah. as well. The episode I, uh, yeah, we have uh, another episode I directed is this Thursday. Congratulations, Thank man. you. Really, that's, that's like a big step. I enjoy it. I actually, I enjoy it maybe more than acting. You enjoy it maybe more than acting? Yeah, I Why? really, it's just something I've always felt like I was going to do, I could do, uh, you know, I went to film school, I shot shorts in, in college. I, uh, I enjoy it. So it's like a natural evolution. Yeah, and I knew it was gonna happen. I just didn't want to start it until I was ready to keep doing it. Got it. And, uh, and by the way, you know, I've got a great place to do it, a place that I know and love, and top-notch, incredible crew, and how, all How does it work, though, when you're directing people who you've worked with for so long? You get to take out all your grudges. Yeah, you get to give, give people hell that, that have been given you. Yeah. No, no, it's, it, it, really, it really helps to be able to speak the language of the actor. Oh, you know, it, it's a, it's, I have found with some directors that they don't quite know how to speak to actors in a way, and it's, sometimes it's a delicate thing. Keep in mind, that this show sense. has been on for 15 years, so we actually know our characters better than almost everybody else on the set. So somebody showing up, if we do 25 episodes, it's maybe 16 directors, because some repeat. Yes. So new people coming in, trying to feel out, they don't quite know. Everybody's got different personalities and ways you receive information. But being able to understand how actors work and the way we communicate, and you can say a lot with a little, mm -hmm. and it's more of an emotional conversation than technical. Right. Telling them how you would like it without telling them how to do it. Um, so it's, it's a tight, bit of a tightrope, and we can be a fickle bunch. It's a conversation that you can have, which, which, um, which I, I, like I enjoy. I, I love it when actors get into directing and when they get to control a bit of their craft. It might be a little bit like that as comedians, where you talk to other stand-ups and stuff. You guys kind of speak True. a language yeah, we that, do. We do. if there was a comedian directing you in a, in a movie or something. Yes, like we say killing, bombing. Like we use language where people are like, well, I'm sorry, what happened yeah. on stage? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. yeah, he died, he died yeah. on stage. And then like there was one comedian who actually like physically died on stage, and then all of us didn't know what that meant. <laughs> Cause no, cause How you like citizens that? were like, oh, a comedian died on stage, and we we're like, yeah, it happens all the yeah, time. Yeah, happens all the time. Yeah. Really? And then yeah. we, they were like, no, died, like, like actually died. We we're like, yeah, that that people yeah. die all the time. Yeah. And then it was like, no, dead, dead. We're yeah. Like, oh, sorry. sorry. Right. It was, right. Right. It was like a weird, you know. Um, let's talk about some of the work that you're doing outside of Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. One thing that has connected um, so many people with you and your story is that you have been involved in social justice. You are somebody who said, I have a platform and I will use it to speak out yeah. uh, for issues that I, that I agree with or disagree against, you know? Sure. And so one thing that's been really interesting is now you've teamed up with MedMen. Mm -hmm. right? uh, yeah. as, what do we be called? A cannabis company? Was that like the yeah, official term? Yeah, the like, biggest yeah. Uh, in the country is Spike Jones. Yes. Uh, and I made a, essentially a short film uh, that they put together and we got creative and figure out a way to kind of tell the history of cannabis in this country. It's a really yeah. fascinating ad because you play everyone in the ad and you tell the story yeah. of, of weed in America. And it's like, you would think a weed ad would just be like, smoke weed, man. Exactly. It's but, not that at all. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, look, the cannabis boom is happening. And we, so we know that. So we try to come up with something uh, together, a, a mechanism as well, came up with this great concept uh, of laying some context down. We know this boom is about to take off. 
what is the story of cannabis in this country truly? Because it certainly isn't a bunch of people in Colorado and California discovering it and getting rich. It's not right. the gold rush as in you just discovered gold and you're selling it. It's been around forever. We used to force Africans to grow it on plantations, including the first president, George Washington. And now there's uh, thousands of people locked up in cages for having it in their pocket. Right. So how did we get there? And so we're telling the story through this brilliant idea that uh, Mechanism and Spike came up with and we worked on together, kind of through this museum, this series of dioramas that take you through American history to contextualize the war on drugs and stop and frisk and uh, medicinal uses and for our veterans and, and so many different ways it can be applied. And it's, uh, it's, an important, it's an important issue. I didn't come to it from cannabis as the center. That wasn't my bag, but it was social justice and it's something that we need to decriminalize because uh, we're not adjudicating it fairly. We're not enforcing these laws fairly at all. I know in the suburbs, it's boys will be boys, kids will be kids. Mm -hmm. Every movie we watch about coming of age, partying. Yeah, is super what? bad. It, yeah, it's yes. kids smoke, finding some weed and drinking, both of which are totally illegal. But we accept it and we laugh at it because it's coming of age. But when it's black kids doing it or poor kids doing it, they're filling prisons. Um, and it's just not fair at all. So if you're not going to do it fairly, Let's decriminalize it, is my view, and start from there and build up in a sensible manner, in a way that makes sense. Hey, man, it's a, it's a, it's a powerful ad, and I, people, people have to watch it online. Yeah, you can just watch it on not, YouTube. Yeah, because weed is not legal federally, so they can't put it on networks, which is an interesting conversation to have for another day. But yeah. congratulations again on Grace. Thank you, man. Congratulations on furthering conversations out there. Always fun having you on the show. Always. I appreciate Always. it, man. Take Thank care. you so much. Grace Anatomy, Thursdays at 8 p.m. on ABC. Jesse Williams, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.